going to go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, tonight, continuing where we were last time, talking about the faith of Abraham. Vamos a continuar esta noche hablando sobre la fe de Abraham, y vamos al libro 4 de Romanos. We're going to begin at verse 1 tonight, vamos a comenzar con el verso 1 esta noche. Last week, we didn't get through the entire study on the faith of Abraham. Uh, but we did cover a great deal of ground as we regard as regards the promises of God and how to claim them and which promises can be claimed uh, in our lives. And so tonight we're going to continue that study of the five factors of faith. Last time we talked about uh, the fact that the first factor of faith is that we must understand that God is the object of our faith. La semana pasada hablamos sobre cinco factores de la fe. Y dijimos que es importante, es necesario uh, entender el primer factor de fe, que es que entendemos que Dios es el objeto de nuestra fe. Uh, nuestra fe no está en una, en una cosa, no está en una idea, no está ni aún en nuestra fe, sino nuestra fe está en el in Dios revelado la palabra de Dios. Our faith is not on any person, and it's not on an idea, and our faith is not even in faith. Our faith is in the Lord. Our faith is in God. And so long as God is the object of our faith, then we can uh, endure the challenges and trials that come into the life of the believer. And we also mentioned that faith is doing that which God has revealed. So when, when we say we're walking by faith, or I'm living by faith, we must know that we're living by what God has revealed. También dijimos que uh, a caminar por fe es caminar de acuerdo a lo que Dios ha revelado. Entonces uh, entendemos que cuando hablamos de eso, estamos diciendo que si Dios no lo ha dicho, no podemos decir yo estoy caminando por fe porque yo tengo una idea o un, un concepto, sino lo, solo lo revelado por la palabra de Dios. And so we don't live, we don't live by faith if we're living by our own idea. It's, 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 it, faith is living by what God has revealed in his word. And what he has revealed in his word, when we study the promises of God revealed in the scripture, we're able to claim those promises over our life and understand that those truths belong to us as heirs of the kingdom of God. So Romans chapter 4, verse 1, as we continue tonight. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his wages, uh, the, now, now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. But as David has spoken of the blessing of the name of him whom God credited righteousness apart from works. 
Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. And blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this blessing then on circumcised or the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. For the promise of God is, or, or for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is also no violation. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that we may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit, which you have promised to us. We ask tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, And I ask as well, Lord, that you would anoint this congregation to receive the word and to place their faith upon you as they live this daily Christian life. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to continue tonight our study. We have established the fact that faith is, that the object of faith is God. And we have also established that faith is in that which God has revealed. And what we see in this portion of scripture that we have read, and a lengthy portion that I read to you tonight, is that Abraham, the Bible says, was justified by faith. That word justified, it means that he was declared righteous. God declared him righteous. He declared him completely in right standing before God. And The only way that Abraham could have been declared right standing before God was by putting his faith in God and obeying God in faith. Abraham dice la escritura que fue declarado justo mediante su fe. Esa palabra justo quiere decir que Dios lo declaró que él estaba en bienestar con Dios. Entonces el poder ser llamado justo solo viene por medio de la fe. Anybody in here that has put your faith in Jesus Christ, listen now, the moment that you put your faith in Christ as your Savior, at that very moment you were declared righteous. You were justified before God. And so now when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past He doesn't see your sin. He sees the perfect righteousness of God that has been given to you because of the blood of Jesus. Amen, somebody. 
Si usted ha puesto su fe en Jesús Usted ahora es justificado Y cuando Dios lo ve a usted Ya no ve su pecado Sino ve la justicia de Cristo Que está sobre usted And so you and I walk In righteousness before God Not because of what we have done But because of our faith in Jesus Christ Usted y yo caminamos En justicia delante de Dios No por lo que hemos hecho Sino simplemente Por lo que Dios ha, ha dado mediante nuestra fe en Cristo Jesús. Now the chapter gave us two examples of how that was proved. El capítulo nos da dos ejemplos. First of all, we notice that the, the chapter says that Abraham, uh, pardon, it, it says in verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. So let me just ask you a question. When you go to work and you work 40 hours or more at a job or however many hours you work, and then at the end of the week or at the end of the bi-week period, they give you a check. Do you feel like they're doing you a favor? No. Why? Because you worked for it. Dice aquí el apóstol Pablo usando este ejemplo que el que trabaja Si usted va a trabajar una semana, dos semanas y luego le dan su pago, usted no se siente que le están haciendo un favor cuando le pagan. ¿Por qué? Porque usted trabajó. And so, if you go to work and you tell them, um, all right, I, uh, I'm not going to work this week and uh, I'm just not going to be able to show up this week and they say to you, okay, here's your paycheck for the week. After you get up off the ground, right? Because you passed out. You say, what's going on here? Right? Si usted va y dice, esta semana no trabajé, y como quiera le dan pago, usted va a notar algo diferente aquí. Well, that's what God is telling us about faith. He says, Abraham wasn't justified by working. Because if Abraham had worked for his righteousness, then he could stand in heaven and say, I work for it. The same way you and I would do if we got a paycheck. Say, I work for it. So God's not going to allow that. Tell your neighbor, God's not going to allow that. The Bible said, no flesh will glory in his presence. Entonces dice la Escritura, si Abraham fuese justo mediante la, las obras, él pudiera decir, cuando llegue al cielo, yo lo trabajé. Yo, yo me saqué este premio. Pero porque no lo trabajó, porque Dios no permite eso, dice la Escritura que Él no dejará que la carne se gloree en su presencia. God will not allow the flesh to glory in His presence. So God says, look, nobody is getting into heaven because they work for it. The only way in to the family of God is by faith. So that when you and I stand in the presence of God, we won't say, I worked for it. We will say, I'm here as a divine favor. God did something for me that I couldn't do for myself, and he did it at the cross through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. So you and I are going to stand in heaven because of the finished work of Christ and our faith in it. And apart from that, there's no access to God. Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, apart from me, he said, no one comes to the Father 
except through me. Entonces, si usted llega al cielo, va a llegar por medio de la fe en Cristo Jesús, no mediante sus obras. Porque si usted llega por obras, se va a gloriar en sus obras. Si usted llega mediante la gracia de Dios, el favor de Dios, usted va a llegar dando gloria a Dios. That's why when we get to heaven, the songs in heaven are going to be about the blood of Jesus. We're going to be singing about the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because if it wasn't for the blood, there's no heaven. There's no eternity in the presence of God. Now, then we have a second example that, that uh, Paul uses to describe Abraham's faith. Luego tenemos otro ejemplo que Pablo usa para describir la fe de Abraham. And he asks this question. He says, was Abraham um, justified after he was circumcised or before he was circumcised? Ahora pregunta el apóstol, ¿fue Abraham justificado antes de ser circuncidado o después? Now, if you understand, the covenant of circumcision was given to Abraham as a sign that he was now in covenant with God. El pacto de la circuncisión fue dado a Abraham como señal de que él era parte de la familia de Dios. And so Paul asks, well, if he was justified after getting circumcised, then he could say that he was justified as a result of circumcision. Él dice, bueno, si él fue circuncidado y luego fue llamado justo, entonces Abraham puede decir, yo Fue justificado porque me uh, circuncidé. Pero, dice Pablo, él fue justificado antes de la circuncisión. And so, Paul says, Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. Before he entered into the covenant, because of his faith, God had already justified Abraham. What does this mean? In fact, further on, the Bible says that Abraham was justified before he had done anything good or bad. Before he had even taken any steps of, of um, circumcision or offering up Isaac or any of those great things that we see in the life of Abraham. None of those things justified him. The moment he believed God, before he had done all those good things, God had justified him. So what am I telling you tonight? Again, you and I are not justified by our ability to sanctify ourselves. Because that's what circumcision is about. Circumcision is about the cutting away of our flesh. Listen, you were not justified when you stopped doing the things you used to do. All right? You were justified the moment you put faith in Jesus. Say amen, somebody. Before, you were not justified because you started being generous. You were justified the moment you put faith in Jesus. Now, this is important, guys, because all of those good things we do, we do not in order to get saved, but we do because we are saved. You understand? We do, we do those things. We, we pray. We fast. We read the Bible. We come to worship. We do all of those things, not in order to get saved, not in order to be justified, but we do them because we are justified, because we are in relationship with God and this comes by faith. Bottom line, God will not let you glory or boast in his presence. He doesn't want anything you've done in heaven. He doesn't want your self-righteousness in his presence. All that he will accept is the 
work of Jesus Christ done on your behalf. Beyond that, if you tried to justify yourself, you would fall desperately short. Si usted intenta justificarse solo, va a caer muy corto. Entonces, la única manera de entrar a la justificación es mediante la fe. Now, what we see in the life of Abraham as we go on, we read last time about his promises from God. And so, we, we discussed how those promises from God were able to be received into the life of Abraham. And so now we see in verse 19, we see the third factor of faith. All right, so go there with me. It says, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, there's a reason I had to read all three of those verses, all right, because that's one whole long runoff sentence. And I don't like to read half sentences when I'm reading the Bible because I want to get the whole context. I want you to understand what's going on here. God gave Abram a promise. The, inter, the central part of the promise was that he was going to have a son. Now, listen, God promised him land. He promised him uh, fame. He promised him blessings, financial and otherwise. He, he promised him that he would bless the nations. None of those things matter if you don't have a kid to take them over when you die. Right? Say amen, somebody. So Abraham has got to have a son. If he doesn't have a son, none of those other promises matter. They're going to die with him. And in that son is really... The, the Messiah, the seed of the Messiah is in Abraham's son. So there has to be a son. But Abraham's getting old, okay? God gave him the promise when he was 75. And at 75, he thought, all right, I can still have a kid. But then he started getting a little older. He, started, he got about 85 and said, okay, Lord, uh, you better put a little, a little speed on this thing because this is, this is getting to be late. And then he got to be 90. And then he got to be 100 before God got around to fulfilling his promise. So the Bible tells us that seeing all of that, Abraham did not become weak in faith. Dice la escritura, Dios le promete a Abraham un hijo, pero se lo prometió a la edad de 75 y a esa edad todavía creía Abraham que él podía tener un hijo pero ya a los 85 a los 90, los 95 casi los 100 Abraham está comenzando a pensar pues a lo mejor esto no puede pasar pero dice la escritura el verso 19 que él no se hizo débil en su fe he did not become weak in faith listen, listen it says he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Look, this is the third factor of faith. And that is that faith does not deny the problem, but it recognizes the problem solver. All right, let me say that again. Faith does not deny the problem, but it recognizes the problem 
solver. This is such an important factor because today in our day there is a teaching that goes around that basically tells the church that you need to deny the problems that are going on in your life. And that if you speak them out or somehow if you acknowledge that there's a problem in your life, that that's just going to uh, make that problem worse. Right? I want you to understand something. If you don't recognize that you have a problem, you are not going to be able to get to the solution. There has to come a point where you say, all right, this is the problem that I have. Some people, they have a headache, but they don't like to say, I have a headache. All right? Well, as long as you're denying it, as long as you are not facing it, then there is, there is no way you can get God's help to come into that. Abraham does not say, I'm not old. And he doesn't say, Sarah's not old. He says, he, he contemplated his own body, and it was as good as dead. And he saw the deadness of Sarah's womb. And still, he did not become weak in faith. Why? Because although he knew the problem, he also knew the problem solver. All right, so you're not going to get anywhere by saying, I don't have a problem. What you have to do is say, I have a problem solver. God is going to take control of this thing in my life. God's going to show up and fulfill his promise in my life. He knew he was old. He knew Sarah was, uh, was old. He knew that there, was some, some, uh, there were physical realities that were contradicting what God had promised. And so he didn't deny that. But he didn't allow those circumstances to define his God or the faith that he had in God. Are you with me? So I don't want you to deny your circumstances, but I also don't want you to, deny, to let your circumstances redefine who God is. Listen, sometimes we think, okay, um, this didn't happen, so God must not be able to do that. That didn't happen, so God must not be able to do this. And we redefine our theology by what happened in our life. No, your circumstances do not define God. Listen, God will define your circumstances. And if God wants a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to have a baby, God will produce a baby in that couple, and he'll show off because he is God. Come on, somebody. So you don't have to worry about denying the issue. God is in charge, and God is greater than the circumstance that you're going to face in your life. What do we notice then? That he did not become weak in faith. And the other verb that we see there is that he did not waver. You know what it means to waver? It means that you teeter-totter. Like on a seesaw. Have you ever seesawed? You, you, you guys have not seesawed in a long time from what I can see. But you know, sometimes we get on the seesaw of faith. I believe, I don't believe. I believe, I don't believe. Now, here's the thing. That, first of all, we understand when we read this verse, if you really, if you know the history of the Bible, you know that Abraham did try to have this child with a different woman. Right? So, so I have to ask, well, Lord, I kind of feel like he wavered. I feel like he, he grew weak in faith because I don't see him waiting on Sarah. I see him going to Hagar. But yet the Bible said that he did not become weak in faith and that he 
did not waver. So what, what is, does, does that mean the Bible's denying reality in Abraham's life? No. Here's what's going on. The moment he believed, way back there, God justified him. So all the ups and downs in between, God doesn't see them because all he sees is that moment back there where Abraham believed. Come on, somebody, because I'm talking about you right now. You see, God doesn't count this against him because back there, Abraham believed and God said, just. And from that moment on, he was just all the way through. Listen, because this is, this is you I'm talking about. The day you believed in Jesus, that day you received all that Jesus had done for you at the cross. And as you walk this life out, sometimes there are moments where there are peaks and valleys, there are ups and downs. But what God sees is your faith, your justifying faith in Christ. Now, let me make this other statement because it's just as important. When Abraham did fall, listen. Abraham did fail. He failed in the direction of the promise. When he failed with Hagar, he was at least falling in the direction of faith. See, the problem is when we fall away from faith, when we fail by not believing God, by not trusting God, by saying, well, I better do what man wants instead of what God wants. And Abraham, when he fell, he fell trying to fulfill the promise of God. He felt trying to do what God was, was calling him to do. And I don't want you to go and find yourself a Hagar, all right, because God will get you if you do that. But what I am telling you is if you're going to fall, fall in the direction of God's will. Fall in the direction of God's plan. Fall toward faith in God. So Abraham is justified, and he's declared faithful and righteous before God. So he says he didn't waver in unbelief. But grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Every time we see him go the wrong direction, we see him take a detour, we see him come back and his faith is stronger. He's increasing in faith. He's increasing in his walk with the Lord. Now listen, I think that many times it's not your... Uh, your heart or your spirit that becomes unbelieving, many times the challenge is with your mind. I think that while Abraham's faith would, would battle with the issue of whether or not God could do this, his spirit knew God could do this. He had a confidence in his spirit because, you see, the mind is fallen. The mind sees circumstances, but your spirit sees what God sees. Your spirit hopes in God. All right, let's move on. Verse 20, we see the fourth factor of faith. Yet with respect to the promise, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Here's the fourth factor of faith, that Abraham had an enduring faith. Let me ask you a question. Do you have an enduring faith? What does enduring faith mean? It means that you don't quit. You don't give up. You don't throw in the towel. You don't call it a day. You keep 
believing, you keep believing, you keep believing, you keep waiting, you keep trusting, you keep praying, you keep worshiping, you keep giving, you keep doing this Christian life because you know what God has promised and that he's faithful. Listen, a lot of people quit because they don't see it happen as on their schedule. Let me just tell you, God's not working on your schedule. I hear any amens. God does not work on our timetable. God has his own schedule. So when you pray, it's not about getting God on your schedule. It's about you getting on God's schedule. It's not about you getting God, getting God on your page. It's about you getting on God's page. And so when you and I walk in unwavering, enduring faith, that means that every single day, we renew our faith in God. Every single day, we say, Lord, if I didn't see it yesterday, I believe I'm going to see it today. Because you are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. I'm trusting. I'm waiting. And that enduring faith is often through some circumstances, through some storms, through some trials, through some moments that contradict what God has promised. And listen, Sometimes life mocks the promise of God. Sometimes life throws situations at you that, that seem to mock the promise of God. When, when you are believing God for one thing and then the, the very thing you're believing for gets taken out of your life. And it seems like life says, ha, ah, where's God? Circumstances mock what God has promised over your life. You just got to get up and keep going. You got to get up and keep trucking because there is a God who has called you to the long journey. To the enduring journey. This is not going to, it's not a day long journey. Listen, the, the journey of faith, the walk of faith, the fight of faith is not a day long fight. It's lifelong. And it's best you and I have that commitment now to say, I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way with Jesus. I didn't, I didn't get into this to try it. Look, if you're, if you're just doing church to try it, you need to get, get real. Get with the program. Get in all the way. I'm not doing this to try it. I'm not doing this to see if it works. I'm not doing this to see if it, ha if it happens. I'm doing this because I know who God has believed. I have trusted in God. I'm confident in God. And I'm in this for the long haul. Whatever comes, whatever I face, I'm in it for the long haul. Listen, we can't have that kind of faith that just comes to church when I need something. It just comes when I want something. It just comes when I'm under pressure. We have to have that kind of faith that says, I'm, I'm with Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, I'm going. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to call. Uh, I'm not going to call in and say I can't. I'm going to go all the way with Jesus. Listen, you, you might as well make up your mind now. Because the enemy is going to try to talk you out of it. He wants you to, he, he wants you to quit. He wants you to fail in the walk of faith. 
And yet, if you do like Abraham did, you're going to notice, listen, Abraham had 75 years of life after Isaac. And what you realize is that when you commit to the whole journey, God will make it a good journey. I said, God will make it a good journey. When you realize, you know what, I'm not just trying this out for a few years, see if, it's, if it works. When you say, I'm in this for the long haul, God will see to it that at the end of your days, that when things are all, the accounts are all settled, you're going to look back and say, God has been good to me. That's what happened in the life of Job. All we hear about, about Job usually is how much he suffered. But you know that Job lived so long after he suffered that he saw up to four generations of his family. How many of you would like to live that long? See your, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great-great-grandchildren. See, all we see is Job sitting in sackcloth and ashes, scraping sores off his body. What we forget is that God gave him double for his trouble. Say it tonight, I'm in for the long haul. See, faith is a whole long journey. And the longer you go, the better it gets. All right, let's go to the next one because I see that you're melting. Verse 21, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Listen, you have to be, this is the final one, you have to be convinced of the promise. You see that word, fully assured. Scripture is telling us Abraham was convinced. Are you convinced? I mean, what does convinced mean? It means I know that I know, that I know, that I know. Abraham estaba convencido. Ese es el último factor de la fe. Que Abraham estaba convencido. Estaba, él sabía lo que sabía, que sabía. Que Dios había hablado y que Dios iba a hacer lo que él dijo. Y Abraham, cuando él... Camina en esa fe, es una fe cierta, es una fe convencida. He walks in a certainty of faith. Here, there is an assurance about it. And you and I have to walk in that same level of faith, that we are convinced about what God has said. That we, that we trust God and we take God at his word so much and so well that nothing can change our mind about it. Because the enemy would like to talk you out of the blessing and the promise of God over your life. El enemigo quiere, quiere uh, darte excusas para, no, para que no le creas a Dios. Te quiere cambiar la promesa de Dios y decirte, no, si Dios no lo hizo para ahorita, ya no lo va a hacer. If God had done it by now, he's not going to do it. That's what the devil will tell you. If you haven't seen something by now, it's probably not going to happen. Listen, if you know that God has spoken, 
Wait. Believe. Obey. Now listen, if you don't know that God has spoken, don't wait. But if God has spoken, if God's put his word on it, you can take it to the bank. You can trust him. Si Dios te ha dado su palabra, le puedes confiar su palabra. The Bible said that God will do with his hand what his mouth has spoken. God will do, God will perform, God will execute his will, his plan, and he will do what he has promised, what he has spoken. Nothing can alter that. So our task, listen, our task is to wait on God, to believe God. And to do what he told us to do until he fulfills that promise over your life. And when he has fulfilled that promise in your life, to keep walking in faithfulness towards him. Tonight, you and I have, I know, many different promises that God has spoken over our lives. And as I encouraged you last week, I want you to document those promises in your life. Document what God has told you. Cada uno de ustedes, yo quiero animarle a que documente las promesas de Dios sobre su vida. When I arrived here as the pastor of Kingsway Church, the week before I came here, I, I was in a, a fast. And I say that was the hardest week of my life because on Sunday, I left my home church. They said goodbye, and I hadn't come over here yet, so for a week, I didn't have a church. That was, that was an ugly feeling. I don't know how, how folks do it who don't have a church. But during that week, it was a week of separation, a week of fasting. And the Lord gave me a promise during that week about my ministry at this church. You want to know what it was? Oh, we'll leave it for next week, I can tell you. <laughs> this was his promise. He said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. And that was out of, out of his promise to Joshua. Then he gave me another promise out of the book of Genesis. And he said, I will not let you go until I have done all that I have spoken. And you know, there are days when I look and I say, Lord, I just don't see it happening fast enough. I just don't see what I want to see. I don't see it coming on the schedule I thought. And I just remember God's promise. I will not let you go until I have done all that I have spoken. And as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. And I look back at those words. I say, all right, Lord, that means that when I come up against the Red Sea, you're going to part that sea in the, in the power of your name. And when I come up against a, an army, you're going to give me victory over the army. Come on, somebody. Because I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us. God said, as I was with Moses, that means when I don't know what, 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 what to say, God said, I'll put my word on your mouth and you will have my word for my people. Come on, somebody. Do you have a convinced faith? 
that says God is going to be with me and do what he promised over my life. I took that and carved it into my walking stick that I use when I go out hiking. Now look at that because it reminds me of the promise of God over my life. And I carved it on that, on that uh, hiking stick because the old, the old patriarchs, that's what they used to do. That's how they would document the promises of God over their life. They would carve them into a staff. And the Bible said that Jacob prophesied over his children while leaning on his staff. Listen, think about that picture. Jacob prophesies over his 12 sons while leaning, because he's an old man, leaning on the promises of God. And he imparts to them the word of God, the promise of God now over their life as he's leaning on the promise of God. Here's what I want you to be able to do. I want you to be able to lean on your staff and know that God's going to fulfill every single word that he has spoken over your life. Watch him do it. It says, I'll read it one more time. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, doing what? giving glory to God and being convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And if you listen real close in the book of Genesis, you can hear lullaby and good night. Go to sleep, little Isaac. As Abraham carries that little baby in his arms. And with all those goo-goos and gagas, he gives glory to God because God can do the impossible to those who believe. Come on, somebody. God can do the impossible for those who believe. Would you stand with me tonight and just raise your hands and tell God, God, I believe you. I take you at your word. I have, I am convinced I'm convinced that you will not fall short of your promise. I want to just tell him tonight, and if you're not fully convinced, set your heart on faith tonight. Because that's what, the Holy Spirit inside of you is a spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit produces faith in you when you don't have it in yourself. There's some mountains you have to climb. There's some valleys you have to go through. There are some challenges you have to take on. Giants you have to kill. You have to trust in God. And tonight he says, you can trust me. Because no one who ever trusted in God was ever put to shame. No one. Listen, nobody who ever trusted in God was ever put to shame. Come on, just fill this house as Abraham did and give glory to God. Just out of your spirit, 
Tell them, I trust you. I believe in you. I will wait on you. You will meet your word. You will fulfill your promise to me. God, we stand upon and rely upon this word which cannot lie.